go ahead and get into our Bible study for tonight, Romans chapter 3, if you would. Romans chapter number 3, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. Romans chapter 3, and we left off around verse number 9, and that's where we're going to pick up tonight. What I'd like you to see out of this is man's sinfulness revealing God's righteousness. Uh, We're going to get an honest view of ourselves from the Word of God tonight, and uh, it's not, not very PC. Somebody said that to me recently. I said something, and her response was, well, that's not very PC. To which I was like, nope, you're right, it's not. (laughs) You know how you can say that kind of thing with a certain look on your face and tone in your voice, and you just made everything much, much worse? Well, there you go, that's me. But uh, I'm not really worried about being PC. Uh, How many of you know what that is? Uh, Politically correct. All right? So just so everybody's on the same page. Uh, We're not going to give you a very politically correct message tonight, but we'll give you a biblically correct message. How about that? All right, Romans chapter 3, verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? No in no wise, for we have proved, both Jews and Gentiles, that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Now, how about that? (laughs) How many people are telling you they're a good, well, I'm a good person. Well, that's not what God said. There's none that do with good. I do good things. I think my good works are going to outweigh my bad works. Well, you don't have a very biblical view of yourself. Their throat is an open sepulcher. <laughs> what? Man, I told you this wasn't very PC. Their throat is an open sepulcher. You know what that means? You open up a grave. You know how bad that stinks and how disgusting that is? If we went and opened up a grave of somebody that had been in the grave for, uh, say, 20 years, you're 20 years old, uh, a 20-year grave, how about a 40-year grave? You'd puke. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongue, if they use deceit, the poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Aren't we off to a positive start tonight? (laughs) Let's pray and then we'll get going here. Father, we love you tonight and I thank you, Lord, for your words. I thank you for the reality of this book. I thank you that it's it's relevant. No matter what these modern day people think, this book is relevant. And it's practical. And it tells the truth. And Lord, it shows your love and your magnificent love. Your love that defies imagination. And I thank you for loving us enough to tell us the truth about us and help me to be the kind of pastor and the kind of preacher, the kind of witness, the kind of friend who loves people enough to tell them the truth from God's word, not to care about their opinion of me, their view of me, whether or not I can benefit from them in any way, shape, or form, but to love them enough to tell them the truth and to be like you. That's what I want, God. I want to be like you, and I fall so far short I realize it. But this book, as I look into it, Lord, it shows me me, and it shows me where I don't match up to you. So I pray you'd show me some more of that tonight as I'm even teaching and preaching, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart could be acceptable in thy sight and be a blessing to the people that are here. We pray it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You live in a day when real old school preachers are considered the enemy because the Bible's considered the enemy's field manual. You realize that, right? It's an ever-growing group of people that 
are, uh, are, are kind of rallying to that rally cry of the fundamental Bible-believing preacher, the fundamental old-school Christians, the leather-lunged, you know, hellfire and damnation preachers are the real problem with this culture. Uh, you, have a, you have a movement in the country of don't tell me what to do, don't preach at me. And here's the problem with that. The problem with that is not that the world has that attitude. That's really not a problem. Uh, that's kind of normal. For lost people to have that attitude is actually pretty normal. I think the real problem is that nowadays the Christians are running around saying, don't tell me what to think. Don't preach at me. Don't be so authoritative. I don't know why you got to be so authoritative. Well, that might work for you, but that doesn't work for everybody, and everybody's a little bit different, and to each his own. Well, I mean, when you got the church in that state where the saved people have that attitude about Bible preaching, you're in a bad spot. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm the enemy, public enemy number one among some circles, I'm not saying everybody. I don't think it's quite as widespread as uh, they want to make it out to be. But if among some circles a guy like me would be public enemy number one, then so be it. <laughs> uh, I, I'm so fed up with that. I understand, sometimes I don't understand why God put me in the generation he put me in. I feel like I'd do real good 50 or 100 years ago. I feel like 50 or 100 years ago, men wouldn't be so offended at me all the time. I mean, men. I'm talking like grown men, like real grown men, like bigger than me. Guys that outweigh me by 50 and 100 pounds get offended by the way I talk and the way I preach. That blows my mind. To have rumor come back to me and save people that are even the King James Bible crowd that say, well, I just don't know why he has to be so harsh all the time. I couldn't sit under him every week. I don't get it. I honestly don't get it. And listen, I don't want to be mean. You understand that? The older I get, the less I care about being mean. I want to help people. But man, nobody ever helped me when they got in a pulpit and gave me a talk. Never, 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 never. I never remember. I never remember one message ever preached when I got a talk, I sat there for week after week and month after month for two years in, the, in the, one of the big box Bible colleges and, and could, would sit up straight in my row and I learned to sleep with my head up, just like some of you do when I'm preaching. <laughs> I learned how to sleep like that. And if I got caught sleeping, I get demerits, you know. And so all the time, the little row monitor, they called them. We called them other things, but... Their name was the row monitor, you know, and they'd be like, you know, can I get your name and your student ID number, you know? And I won't tell you what I would say because it was wrong. I shouldn't have said it. And the number I'd give them, it was wrong. I was a little rebel. But, but I listen, you know, my number's 13, you know. <laughs> they didn't know enough Bible to know what I was saying. Yeah, I'm rebellious toward you. And these guys would get up there and they'd wear the robes, man. Literally, this is supposed to be a Protestant school that I was in. The guys up there, I just, I could never take a man in a dress very seriously, honestly. I just couldn't do it. And then they want to sound all smart. Well, in the original languages and the original rendering of this, and actually this could be better translated such. It didn't help me. And nowadays that's what people want. They want talks. And they say everything about preaching and about church, everything, it's worship and praise, and let's have a talk. And, and they'll do little fireside chats, a couple guys on the platform with microphones and talking back and forth to each other. Like, I don't get it, man. Let me tell you something. If you're really looking for God and looking for truth, you shouldn't get it either. Go to Romans 10. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Romans chapter 10. See, they try to tell you that nowadays you can't preach at people. If you preach at people, you know, they get offended and that you shouldn't do that. Well, I don't know. God begs to differ. 
Look at uh, Romans 10. Look at verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That means if you don't, you're lost. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That means that you can't say some kind of a magic prayer and do a little repeat after me and say this prayer this many times and get some kind of a magic little salvation. Salvation comes from you crying out from your heart to God, asking God to forgive your sins and save your soul from hell. And if you don't do that, you're going to hell tonight. If there's never been a day and a time in your life when you bowed your knee and asked Jesus Christ to forgive your sins because you knew you were going to split hell wide open if you didn't, then you're not saved. That's what the Bible teaches you. And you say, well, what kind of prayer do I have to pray? You've got to tell God what you want. Praying ain't rocket science. God reads the heart and the Spirit of God takes what you're trying to say and translates it properly to God. Just talk to him like you'd talk to your dad. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 11, for the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. That's the problem with the modern day church. They're ashamed of Jesus. And the modern day preachers are ashamed of the Bible, so they won't get you in the Bible and take you through it verse by verse like I'm doing with you tonight because they're going to be forced to say things that will offend you. For there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God promised it. Now watch. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Good question. You never believed in Jesus Christ. You don't believe the Bible. That's your problem. You need to know why. Why should I believe the Bible? And if you really want to know, ask God. God, I really want to know. Show me and God will show you. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Good question, ain't it? And how shall they hear without what? Don't preach at me. Okay, go to hell then. God said, how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. That's not a bad thing to be a preacher. You ought to want a preacher. You ought to ask God for a preacher. And if this is your preacher, you ought to pray for your preacher and ask God to fill me with his spirit and help me to preach more as time goes on, not less. You go through your Bible. Go back to Romans chapter 3 if you would, please. You go through your Bible and what you're going to find out is you're going to find out that through every dispensation when backsliding nations went farther and farther from God, God raised up preachers to preach at them. And you know what happened to the people? The people would get so mad and so bitter and so angry and so frustrated, they'd murder the preachers for preaching at them. But God never backed off preaching. You see, the reason people respond like they respond when you get up and you speak with authority, like Jesus Christ did, coincidentally, that's Mark eleven twenty two. He spoke with authority and not as the scribes and Pharisees. When you get up and you speak with authority from the Bible, the reason people get mad is because they're rebellious. They don't want the truth. But the truth will save your soul. The truth will set you free. You know what they're afraid of? They're afraid of God coming in and saying, you've got to knock off your foolishness. That's what it is. 
That's why the Christians nowadays don't want their preachers to preach. Once they get saved, they're thankful for their fire insurance, and they don't want them then to get in the Bible and preach the Bible. They just give us grace and love and peace and mercy and love and grace and forgiveness and peace and mercy and charity. And God's all those things. If I preach through the Bible, you're going to get every bit of that from God. You'll get every bit of that from the Bible. You'll get so much of that, it'll fill your soul up to the point where it'll bring a grown man to tears to recognize the goodness and the grace and the love and the gentleness and the mercy and the kindness of the Lord Jesus Christ. It defies imagination. Preaching's not the enemy of those things. The reason people don't want the balance of it, and you've got an unbalanced society... It's like all the positive stuff and none of the negative. You know why? Because they're afraid God's this ruthless dictator that's going to come in and take away their pornography. God's going to take away their alcohol. God's going to take away their dope. God's going to take away their fornication. God's going to take away... God. I'm just going to live an absolutely miserable life if I listen to God and listen to preaching. How dare you tell me that's wrong? Love is love is love is love. No, it's not. You know what Lucifer loves? It's the ultimate, the ultimate, the ultimate of the degenerate nature. You know what he loves? He loves to hear the screams and cries of the damned. That's why psychopaths and, and these guys that are serial killers and serial molesters and all the rest of that thing, they get to a point where all they enjoy is hearing the screams of their victim. They don't care whose little girl that is, whose wife that is, whose mama that is. It means nothing to them because they get a kick out of it. That's Luciferian. You never read your Bible? You never read Ezekiel and found out what the Bible says about Lucifer and what a kick he gets out of listening to people scream in hell? That Bible comes along and God tells you you're a sinner. Don't tell me that. No, no, that's your dad. Well, not if you're lost, but look at it this way. See, this is the problem. This is the problem. I think a lot of people nowadays don't understand real authority, good authority. Because I think so much of us as we are old, those of us that are the older crowd that are now fathers and, and grandfathers and all that, we've done a, such a lousy, a, such a cotton-picking lousy job. We've done such a lousy job. We've been such sinful, selfish, wicked people that the younger generation doesn't trust us. I'm talking about a good father who loves you and sees what you can become and what he can make out of you and says, don't do that. You're going to mess your life up. Don't do that. You're going to get hurt. Knock that off. You're better than that. I'm going to do something with you. I'm going to show you some things. I'm going to discipline you so I can train you so I can get you. That's what that book is trying to do for you. That's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. So look at verse 9. We've come through here to this point, and now this is going to get rough. It's going to get direct. And up to this point, God has said this. He deals with the people that don't know anything about God or anything about religion. He deals with them through creation and conscience. Those Jews that did know religion and did have the law, he deals with them through the law. And now here's the conclusion of this whole viewpoint. He says, what then are we better than they? No in no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. You realize you aren't better than anybody else. Paul's talking in context about his false accusers who had said that he was doing good, that evil may come, doing evil that good may come and all that stuff, right? So there's people that criticize us, aren't there? Hello, are you a born-again Christian trying to live right? Okay, so then there's people criticizing you just so you know, okay? 
whether you like it or not, they're going to start criticizing. Why do you got to go back to church on Sunday night? What are you going on Wednesday for? Are you in a cult? What's wrong with you? How come you don't come and hang out with us at the bar anymore? That's not my scene. Sorry. My scene's on Sunday morning at 1030 at 52909 10 Mile Road and 5 o'clock you know, on Sunday at 52909 10 Mile Road and 7 o'clock on Wednesday. That preacher over there, he's brainwashing you. Yep, that's what we need, brainwashed. Yeah, we're, we got so much filth coming at us. I mean, stick around for Sunday afternoon. You want us to talk about filth. You live, you live in such a filthy generation. You ever stop and think about this for a second? What's another name for demons and devils? What did Jesus Christ, what, what do you call them spirits? What kind of spirits are they? Unclean. Unclean. Adultery, fornication, what's next in the list? Galatians chapter 5. Uncleanness. You know what generation you live in? You live in the most filthy, unclean, wicked, defiled generation you ever seen in your life. Kids by 13 and 14 years old or even younger have seen things that men at 40 and 50 years old back in the day had never seen. You don't think that stuff's demonic? And then we wonder why our testimony is so bad. We wonder why we can't get through and we're trying to witness to people. We wonder why we don't get prayers through. We wonder why we get nothing out of the Bible. We wonder why we go to church and get nothing out of it. We wonder why we got marriage trouble. We wonder why we don't have the wisdom to raise our kids. We wonder why our hearts have become so cold and dead. Look, you are inundated, inundated, inundated with entertainment. We'll talk a little bit about it Sunday morning. Something new, something new, something new, something new, news, new news. And, and it's the flashing and it's the moving. And then you go to church and they want preachers to stand up here and be all passive. Your brains aren't wired to pay attention to passive. I don't know why he has to yell. Because I'm trying to get you to think. Because I'm trying to keep you engaged. Because I'm trying to keep you awake. Because I'm trying to take the couple of hours a week I got to try to get something in you that will help you out through your whole life and into eternity. Amen. And then it's like, well, I don't know why he's got to get like that. But then you go sit down in your living room and you watch some kind of action flicks and the colors are changing and the graphics aren't even natural. I mean, this stuff is so amazing and it's addictive. And they got those phones wired to have you. You're addicted to it. You're just addicted to it. You're seeing it all the time. I don't know why the preacher's so rough. You know how many people you saw killed this week in your living room? And I'm too rough. <laughs> I don't know why he has to be so graphic sometime when he preaches. And he shouldn't say things like that from the pulpit. You can't look through the news headlines without seeing the filthiest, most ungodly, depraved thing. The stuff that's going on nowadays that's news headlines all the time. Them guys should be, they should be shot for that stuff. I know I'm probably offending some of you, but I really don't care. I care enough about you and about the truth to tell you the truth whether you like it or not. Amen. This Bible's written in such a way as to get your attention. And you've got to recognize that we're all a mess. Yes, sir. Before you start looking at somebody else and criticizing them. And when your critics look at you and criticize you, you know what you need to remember? Well, I think they're crazy too, so who cares? <laughs> You know, they're talking bad about you. So what? I was probably talking bad about them too, you know? Yeah, you, you, oh, come on, it's happened to you, right? Amen. You know, they were criticizing you. They were criticizing me? You know what I just did? You know what I just did? The exact same thing to them that they're doing to me. 
Who do they think they are to criticize me? Guys, we're all the same. Look at verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. You aren't looking for God. Well, I'm saved because I was just always had a heart for truth. I never said that. I said when somebody responds to the truth that they've been given, God will give them more truth. You see the difference? Go to John chapter 12 and look at verse uh, 32. John 12, 32. That's what Jesus Christ said. He says in John 12, 32, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will do what? I'll draw all men unto me. You know, it's a, you know, you we stop and you think about this. I was thinking about it this week. The amount of stories in this room <laughs> and how all you folks wound up here. It's just amazing, man. It's just absolutely amazing. I mean, I could I could probably write a book, and I'm not gonna, so don't even look at me. <laughs> I could probably write a book on the intricacies of how God worked to bring individuals into this church. It's just mind-blowing. You got somebody sitting back there from Morocco. From Morocco, of all places. We got, they're not here tonight because he had to work over, but we got somebody from Mexico. <laughs> Another one coming from Morocco. And from all over the Metro Detroit area and those out that direction, you're past Metro Detroit. I looked it up. South Lyon is as far as you go west and still be considered technically Metro Detroit. Unless I read it wrong, but I think that's the right, right deal there. So we got a bunch from Howell, with Toledo, Brooklyn, Lansing, Flint. You find out about a little hole-in-the-wall church down here on a 10-mile road like us. God draws people, man. That's an amazing thing. Go back to Romans chapter 3. You didn't get saved because you're so much better than lost people. You got saved because God worked on you like God works on everybody. And the difference is you responded when God poked your heart. Look, did it feel good? Can, I, can, I, can, I, can all of you just help me out for a minute? If, if the first time you felt conviction, it felt good, raise your hand. All right, the first time you felt conviction, did it feel bad? Yes, sir. <laughs> wow. Is that the greatest thing that ever happened to you? Yes, sir. Well, then what's this modern-day church doing, trying to make you feel good all the time? I hope, I hope to lead more souls to Jesus Christ in the, la- in the next 16 years. Uh, I hope to lead tens, 10 times as many people to Christ in the next 16 years as I, we did in the first 16 years of this church. I want to see more people saved. I'm not interested in making anybody feel good. 
You'll feel amazing once you know what it feels like to have the weight of the world lifted off your shoulder and the guilt of sin and the condemnation and damnation of hell backed off of you and the Spirit of God moving into you and taking up residence in what He created. You'll feel the greatest thing in the whole world. But it don't start out that way. So it wasn't you looking for God. He came down here looking for you. According to what we've seen so far, the law brings everybody under condemnation. And creation and conscience bring everybody under condemnation. Folks, they know it. You know it because you got the truth and you got the Spirit of God in you and you've seen what the Bible says and you've confirmed those things and nailed it down. This lost world knows it. My kid came to me this week cracking up. She said, Dad, you won't believe this. We all are made of stardust. I said, huh? She said, yeah, we're made of stardust, I guess. <laughs> I said, we're made of dust, but it ain't stardust. And I guarantee you that much. Where's the evidence for that? I mean, come on, you're a scientific teacher. Don't you know what science is? Of course you don't. They ain't even teaching you that stuff anymore. They're brainwashing you with an agenda. Science has to be observable and repeatable. It collects data. Where's the proof that we're stardust? Who's got to a star and brought some back yet? Oh, it's faith. I'll tell you this much. Open up a grave and look down and see what happens. Under dust thou art and under dust thou shalt return. You cremate him and put that little vase up in your living room. Guess what it is? Dust. Hmm, ain't that funny. Now that's observable and repeatable, so that's scientific for you. So maybe the Bible was a step ahead of your teachers. That's the truth of it now. So he comes down here because he knows how bad off you are and proof that you're a sinner is that you die. The wages of sin is... We just read it. There's none righteous, no, not one. None that understandeth, none that seeketh after God. We're not better than anybody else. We're all sold under sin. And the payment for our sin is death. That's why you're seeing more grays here and more grays here and more wrinkles as time goes on. I'm dying. I'm just fighting it off as long as I can. Amen? I hope to be 65 years old, still lifting weights or something, you know, still trying to beat up young guys or whatever, you know what I mean? I'll fight it off as long as I can, but there's nothing I can do about it. I have an appointment, and I'm going to die just like every other human being that ever walked across this planet because I'm a sinner. Now, I know that's negative, ain't it? But Jesus Christ came down to this sinful planet, lived the perfect life in your place because you can't do it, and then died on the cross. Now, how did he die? I'm repeating myself so some of you can remember this when you talk to people. He died because he became your sin. Your sin killed him. Oh, that hateful God telling us we're sinners. He put every sin you ever committed on his son. If you never had a son, you can't understand. It's a love that defies human imagination. That's what God did for you. So when he tells you you're sold under sin and you're not good and you don't seek after God and you don't understand, you say, yes, sir, okay, then can you make me understand, please? Because he's God and you're not. And he cares about you. Look at verse 13. Their throat is an open sepulcher. Well, there's proof that you're a sinner. With their tongues they've used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. Ain't that interesting? Keep your finger here in Romans chapter 3. Go back to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter number 15. 
I know we're supposed to be teaching tonight, but we get a little preachy, don't we? You know what I was taught? I was taught that if you're going to be a Bible teacher, your Bible teaching ought to have some preach in it. And I was taught that if you're a Bible preacher, that your preaching ought to have some teach in it. Uh, people think the Bible's boring because they're, they're Bible teachers think it's boring. And they present it boring. Look at Matthew 15, verse 7. Ye hypocrites, well, did, look at that. Whoa, whoa wait a minute, what? <laughs> this is the meek and mild Jesus that they're making a whole big mess out of. You know, they're always saying he's so love, love, ye hypocrites. <laughs> well, did Isaiah, the prophet, Isaiah prophesy you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me. Here it is, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. That's why you bring your Bible. That's why we turn to the Bible. That's why we answer Bible questions. That's why we compare Scripture to Scripture. Because religion gives you the commandments of men and tells you this is a doctrine you must submit to. And listen, listen, I want you to hear me. If somebody's got any amount of common sense at all, they might not know what it is, but they sure enough know what it ain't. So these, these young folks nowadays come sit down in church and they're like, that was entertaining. Well, they're doing everything they can to keep up with your television and your smartphone. So they give you music that's the music you like in the world and they try to adapt it to a little Jesus-ish stuff, which we'll talk a little bit more about this Sunday morning where we're talking about a new song. And they try to make that thing adapt. It's an entertainment factor. And if you got any gut in you at all and any desire at all for the truth, you're sitting there going... Something's missing. It's just something's a little missing. And then, of course, they're always going to tell you you got to tithe. I get it, man. They got bills to pay. Trust me, I get it. <laughs> if you could get everybody to tithe, you wouldn't have any problem at all hitting budget. Not a problem at all. But, of course, they're going to be real honest with you about that one. They're not ever offended. It just blows my mind how they're never worried about offending people about the giving part of it. But when it comes to fornication, adultery, uncleanness, pornography, drugs, alcohol, cursing, swearing, Christian living, they won't preach it. Cowards. Money-grubbing cowards. They teach for doctrines of the commandments of men. They won't give you the Bible. And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man. Do you see that? But that which cometh out of the mouth, that this defileth a man. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard the saying? <laughs> but he answered and said unto them, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Isn't that weird? You know why God gives massive generations of Christians these false preachers and false teachers? Because that's what they want. But if you'll respond to truth, and if you want truth, and you, if you have a heart for truth, God will give you truth. Skip down with me for the sake of time. Look at verse 18. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These things, these are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. Uh, go to Matthew chapter 16. Look at verse 23. He's saying what comes out of your mouth is what defiles you, right? Watch this. Uh, in verse 22, Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. What's he talking about? The Lord is telling him about the crucifixion. 
Peter stops him and says, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto him, Get thee behind me, what? Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. What came out of Peter's mouth? Jesus wasn't making a false accusation against Peter. He was addressing the person of Satan, stepped into Peter and using Peter to try to discourage Jesus Christ from going to the cross. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know how many demonic and ungodly and wicked things come out of the mouths of people and can even come out of the mouths of a saved person? Go to James chapter 3. You ever stop to think about why so many people just use, uh, use damn constantly for everything? Right? The car don't start, the damn car. They get on the plane, you hear them cussing the damn plane and damn this and damn. You know why? You know why they're using it for everything? Because they're damned. They're on their way to hell. Now, if you've been saved and you used to be, you ought to stop that kind of talk because you aren't there anymore, are you? You're supposed to be dead to that stuff. What comes out of your mouth is proof of what's in your heart. Listen, you Christians shouldn't be taking God's name in vain. Find something else to say besides, oh my God. And definitely the Lord Jesus Christ, you're taking Jesus Christ's name in vain? You're saved. He died on the cross for you, and you take his name in vain. You ever notice how many lost people that, that, that Jesus Christ is the phrase they use when they want to cuss? You know what that is? You know what they're doing without even knowing they're doing it? They're condemning their self. They're admitting that they know that Jesus Christ is the name that's above every name because the Bible tells you in Hebrews that the lesser swears by the greater. So they'll say, Jesus Christ, when they want to cuss. Why don't you say Mohammed? Why don't you say Buddha? I've done it before. While they're taking the Lord's name in vain, I'll say Buddha. <laughs> Dude, what's your problem, man? Ah, Mohammed. What do you, you shouldn't talk about other people's religions. Excuse me, you hypocrite. And I always use that to make the point. Yeah, nobody ever says that, do they? You know why? Because there's no power in that name. The Bible says the lesser swears by the greater, so nobody uses Muhammad, nobody uses Buddha, nobody uses Confucius, nobody uses Plato, nobody worries about any of those guys. They use the name of Jesus Christ because instinctively in you, he gave you life and you know he's there, and you curse him because that's the name that's above every name. That's a name you're going to bow to someday. John chap James chapter 3. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many a things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. If you can control your mouth, you'll be able to control every other habit you got. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn them about. Their, we turn about their whole body. Behold, we also, behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm whithersoever the governor listeth. So you can turn a ship with a rudder, you can turn a horse with a bit. You know, uh, you can control a man's whole body if you can control his head. 
You can control his head, you can control the body, you can control the hips, you can control the whole body, you can control the feet, you can control the whole body. Shocking. You wouldn't think it'd work, but it will, it'll work. Verse 5, Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature. Watch this. And it is set on fire of You mean the devil uses your tongue? Somebody asked me today about a guy who was a little bit of a obnoxious. He's kind of a jerk. And the guy had said something to me, and this other guy asked me today, he said, what did you say to him? And I said, I didn't say anything. I stared at him. He said, why? I said, because I was mad, and I knew if I started, I wouldn't be able to control what I said. So I stared at him. He said, what did he do? I said, he kept talking and got more and more awkward as I stared at him. I said, until he finally walked away. You know why? Because there's a fire starting, boy. And I wanted to say, I didn't ask you your opinion. Walk away. Shut up. And since I couldn't really, I knew I couldn't let that start going, I just had to stare at him because I couldn't think of nothing else to say. I need to grow more spiritually and get more gracious and gentle. He's obnoxious. He doesn't get it. You know what I know about my tongue? They know what's coming out? It's sin in the heart, man. For every kind of beasts and birds and serpents and things in the sea is tamed and tamed and hath been tamed to mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Some of you kids talk to your siblings and you're mean to them. You tell them, I hate you. Some of you kids tell your mom and dad when you get mad, I hate you. Shame on you. That is not the spirit of God. That is, that is a demonic thing to start telling people that you love, that I hate you, I want you to die, I hate you. You're too immature to understand what you just said. You never stood at a grave or at a casket of somebody you love and you say something like, I hate you. You know what's in your heart? Murder. Come on, man, you don't hate your family. You get sick of them. Amen. You can say amen to that. You get sick of them. But you get over it and move on. You don't let your tongue run away with you like that. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. So you mean a saved man can do that? You better believe it. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth the fountain bring forth the same place sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Now watch this. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Now look at where the nasty things in your mouth come from. But if there be bitter envying... And strife in your hearts. Glory not and lie not against the truth. Now watch this. This wisdom. What wisdom? Well, it's a wisdom that descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish wisdom. For where envying and strife is, there's confusion in every evil work. So you know what happens? 
you're angry, you're bitter, you're frustrated, and you have just reason to be so, there's a wisdom to it. Well, it's because he, because she, because they, well, you just don't understand. The reason I said that is because you. And you have all these justifications for why all this stuff's coming out of your mouth. And God said, the, the problem is, you're set on fire of hell. Did you forget that you're just as wicked as the person you're ripping apart? Did you forget that you're just as guilty as the person you're mad at? Did you forget that you have as many flaws as the person you want to poke holes in and make fun of and, and criticize and beat down and tear apart? Did you forget who you are? It's a demonic wisdom. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. You can't get that wisdom if you've got a dirty heart and it's all angry and frustrated and bitter all the time. Every person in this room has a reason to be bitter if you're past 12 years old. And nowadays, some of these kids at 4, 5, and 6 years old has reasons to be bitter. The world's so jacked up and messed up by the devil and the betrayal of the Bible and the kicking out of God and the kicking out of truth and the kicking out of preachers and the kicking out of all common sense that families are falling apart, children are abandoned, hearts are broken. By the time they're five and six years old, they're an absolute soup sandwich. They're a mess. You got reasons by the time you're five and six a lot of times to get bitter. Get in line. Everybody else does too. You're either going to give that stuff to God and get the help of God to heal the wounds in your soul or you're going to be a nasty individual that the devil just takes over and uses you to just do the same damage to other people that somebody did to you. And that's all up to whether or not you want to handle it God's way or your own. I got plenty of reasons to be bitter. And I know one of two things is going to happen. I'm either going to get bitter or I'm going to get better. Boy, I sure want to get better. I want my life to help people. The wisdom that's above is pure, peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated. Full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown of peace in peace of them that make peace. So don't let anybody convince you that just because I preach hard in the pulpit, that means that I'm going to rip people's faces off when I get mad at them. I'm not. And some of you think that because you just hear me preach and you make that assumption. You need to give me a little credit. Amen. Go back to Romans chapter 3. So there, verse 14, their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Next is what? Their feet are swift to shed blood. You watch those riots on TV, you watch stuff escalate, what's it start with? It starts with words. And then as the words keep going, keep going, it starts getting physical. And then after that, guess what? Here comes the blood. All right, what's next? Their feet are swift to shed blood. You got a bloody generation, a violent generation that you're in. These kids are being raised with violence. Their video games are splattering blood all over everything. Blood covered the land when God drowned it out in Noah's day. Now watch. Destruction and misery are in their ways. Look at that. You know what you've got all around you today? You've got destroyed homes, destroyed marriages, destroyed minds, destroyed hearts. 
And it's all a result of sin, guys. Does everybody understand that? The pain you felt in your life, every tear you've cried, every heartbreak you felt, every betrayal you felt, everything that's ever disappointed you or let you down is a result of sin. Not one of those things ever came from God. That was not God's will. He made you perfect and put you in a perfect garden, and you and I messed it up. You think God rejoices to see you cry unless they're tears of joy or tears of repentance or tears of a broken heart because you're bearing precious seed and wanting to see somebody saved crying over a lost soul. But the tears of, of sorrow, tears of sin, tears of regret, you think God wants that? Of course he doesn't. And that's what sin brings. And you know what we do, folks? You know what we do? Because we're crazy. We're, we lost it. We're nuts. We're nuts. We sin anyways. You know what that stuff produces. Sin, when it is finished, bringing forth death. Man, I, 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 wished, I wished to God some younger folks would just have the sense to sit down with somebody 20 years older than them or 30 years older than them and say, help me out. I wish to God some people that are 20 and 30 years older have enough love and common sense and wisdom to be able to help somebody out. Why? Well, I, 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 I don't want to just blow my life up. God's given me somebody that I can call and sit down and talk to when I need to and say, hey, look, help me out. And I listen, man. You know why he still puts up with me? Because when he talks, I listen. He said to me more than once, all right, we're going to find out where you're at and whether or not we're still friends. I said, lay it on me. Why? I don't want to destroy my life. The way of peace have they not known. That's the generation you're in. They don't know how to make peace. Why? Here's the problem, and it's in verse 18, which is 6 plus 6 plus 6. There's no fear of God before their eyes. You live in a nation and a generation of people that do not fear God. They're told that they're, you're not really going to reap what you sow and all the rest of that stuff. You do what you want. Don't worry about it. Listen to me. Listen to me. We got divorced people all over this church. You understand what I'm? You understand that? I'm, you guys all understand that, right? I, I don't know. I could sit down and count it up, actually, because I know everybody, but I'd say at least half people in this church have been divorced. Okay, so I'm not harping on anybody or making you regret whatever happened in the past is in the past. If you ain't divorced now, let me tell you something about divorce. It ain't never better. There are some cases where it is necessary. <gasps> yeah, I said that and I got Bible for you. There are some cases where it is necessary. But don't you go build your case. When it's necessary, brother, you know it. Sister, you know it. It ain't never better. It's better to grit it out. That old generation, they didn't always, they weren't always in love and didn't always have the greatest marriages, but they gritted it out. They worked through it. And they were better off for it. And so was their kids, and so was the entire culture of this country. These people change spouses nowadays like they change socks. It's nothing to them. That's destruction and misery, and you ain't got no fear of God at all, and you could care less what you do to your kids. You're a knucklehead. Selfish. Verse 19, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, 
For the purpose of what? That every mouth may be stopped and that all the world may become guilty before God. You can jot down Galatians chapter 3 verses 24 and 25 there if you want a cross-reference. I'll just tell it to you because I want to get you out of here tonight. The law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. So he's telling you that the law shows you how sinful you are so that you realize how bad you need Jesus. It's a schoolmaster. The old school kind that walked up and down the roads and whacked your wrists, you know, that kind. You know, you're a good Catholic nun, you know. (laughs) That's the kind of, that's what the law is, a schoolmaster. It's teaching you something. And what it's trying to teach you is you need Jesus. Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. So why would anybody ever tell you your good works can outweigh your bad works? They lost their minds. They're not reading their Bible. They don't know what the thing says. They can't read plain English. But they claim to be some kind of a professor of theology. Professing themselves to be wise, they become fools. But now the righteousness of God. Now look at that, but now. See that? But now. That's a normal term in English that tells you we're going to instruct you on something. And there's a switch here because there's a but. But now. Now, the instruction is this. The righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. So what he's saying is, what we're teaching you, we're showing you from the Bible, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by the faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Whether they had the law and they were good Jewish Christian, not Christian, good Jewish law abiding, you know, Old Testament. Or they were a Gentile without the law, a stranger out in the world, knew nothing about God, nothing about the law. Either way, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God in verse number 23. And there's no difference between the two of them. Being justified how? You don't earn it. You can't earn salvation. Now, here's the best way to remember what justification is. It's just as if I'd never sinned. Justified. Just as if I'd never sinned. That's what you need. How are you justified? Freely by His grace. You don't deserve it. Through the redemption that's bought back. Redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. And they kick the blood out of church nowadays. Talk all about salvation, but they don't talk about the shedding of Jesus Christ's blood. They won't sing the songs about the blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, you can't sing that. That's unclassy. So you get up there and you do your... And that's so classy, you know. It's the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, that cleanseth us from all sin. And you better put your faith in the blood he shed on Calvary's cross or you're going to split hell wide open. To declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. 
You know what you better have when you step into the throne room of God? You better have somebody that can justify you. You better have somebody with the power to step in the way of the righteous wrath of Almighty God who can say, Lord, I took care of it. You know who that is? That's the Lord Jesus Christ. He shed His blood for you. He went to hell for you. That's why He descended three days and three nights as part of the gospel. He rose again on the third day, and the Bible says He ever liveth to make intercession for you. He not only saved you, washed away your past sins, but He keeps you saved. He ever liveth to make intercession for you. So the accuser of the brethren is up there saying, look what Reagan did, God. Look what Reagan did. Every time I mess up, he's faithful to catch it, boy. Look what Reagan did. And Jesus Christ is saying, no, God, look what I did. Look what I did. Look what I did. He's mine. How? By grace through faith in his blood. All right, verse 27. Where is boasting then? Where's the big shot Christians? It is excluded. <laughs> by what law of works? Nay, by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. That's why it's not of works as any man should boast. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yea, the Gentiles also. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision, Jews, by faith, and the uncircumcision, Gentiles, through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. In other words, this is what that says. The sinfulness of man is recognized by the law that God gave. You all mess it up. Way to go, preacher. Offend everybody in church at once. Well, your preacher messes it up too. Every one of us. We've sinned against God. We continually sin against God. You can beat your chest all you want and say, well, I never commit adultery and I never do this. And Jesus said if a man look on a woman, he's committed adultery in his heart. So you ain't any better than anybody else. Now that's not, according to the book of Galatians and many other passages, a justification to go live like hell and say, well, we all sin anyways. Because you're going to figure out the more we study our Bible that once you're saved, if you live like hell anyways, your Heavenly Father's going to whoop you, man. He's going to whoop you good. So you better do right. But you recognize that, boy, we're all guilty. And the law was written to show us how guilty we are. And the more we'll be honest and look into the mirror of the Word of God and see how filthy, dirty our face is and recognize God made a way to be washed absolutely clean through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, washed clean. We recognize that our sinfulness reveals God's righteousness. And I look at that and I say, wow, that's what you think of me. Well, God, you know what? i got to admit something. You are 100% right. I'm a mess. My mouth is a mess. My heart is a mess. My mind is a mess. My thoughts are a mess. My motives are a mess. I'm a mess. And God, I ain't got a chance. And I recognize what my Savior Jesus Christ did for me on the cross of Calvary. And I just, I really appreciate it. You know what I love about the Lord? He not only saved your soul when you asked Him, and he saved you eternally in spite of yourself. But on top of that, he keeps you saved, right? Yes, sir. 
That's amazing. Could you imagine trying to keep your salvation? Folks, if the fear of damnation and hell for eternity can't scare you straight, once you know you're cleaned up, how do you think your good works are going to keep you saved? There's no way. There's no way. On top of all that, he says in 1 John 1, 9, as far as our fellowship is concerned, this one's not about salvation. He says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what the law keeps showing me as I read my Bible? Even after I've been saved with the Spirit of God in me and the Bible in me, I still mess up. And I've come more than once to a point in my life where I'm back here again, God, and I'm asking you again to forgive me for the same thing. And I'm telling you right now, I know what this is. That's just my opinion, okay? So don't get superstitious on me. It's so demonic, it's not even funny. It's you've asked for forgiveness so many times. Why are you asking again? God ain't going to forgive you this time. Now listen to me. If that's true, you might as well give up. Because the law shows you your sinfulness and the fact that you're getting older shows you you're not yet in a perfect glorified body. You're still in a sinful body. If it's true that the Lord can't forgive you again and 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 again, you might as well just give up. You know what that thing? It just got me one day when I was kneeling down and I was talking to God. It says, He is faithful and just. It doesn't say you are. And he's faithful and just to forgive and cleanse. So I'm telling you tonight, if this negative message about your sinfulness hits you and God pointed out some things about your mouth and about your thoughts and about your life that you need to deal with, I'm going to pray here in a second. We're not going to have an invitation just where you're at in your seat. Why don't you just ask him to forgive you again? And then trust that he's faithful and just to forgive you. And then go out of here and do your very best not to mess it up again. And then when you do, just get it right again. And again, and again, and again, and again. Why? Because eventually, if you don't quit, you might get the victory. I mean, you're going to shower tomorrow, aren't you? Most of you shower today. A couple of you came from work. I saw that. You didn't get a chance to yet. I'm glad you're here anyways. Please do before Sunday. Amen. <laughs> well, you're just going to get dirty again. Well, take your shower anyways. Let's pray. Father, we